Soete de Scipoli and Soete Omnes. Welcome again to another episode of Latin in Layman's, where I'm actually going back into my Latin mini mini series, grammar mini series. That is um, where we're going to be doing our 11th lesson here, going into pronouns. So we're going to talk about pronouns, all about them, personal pronouns, that is. And then if we have time, we'll also get into uh, quite a few others. But pronouns are so uh, widely used in um, in Latin grammar as well as English. You know, pronoun usage has changed. It's transformed. And in our day and age, it's become kind of a contentious topic. I'm just going to relay the information from the Latin perspective. So not meaning to be controversial because you know what? I wasn't consulted in the design phase of Latin. So I'm just the vessel carrying all the information to you guys. And to be honest, I think that Latin had a little bit of a leg up in a way by pertaining to or really subscribing nouns, Latin nouns, to a gender, that gender being either masculine, feminine, or neuter. Um, a lot of the time, yes, things with masculine qualities went towards the masculine realm, feminine, feminine, neuter, neutral, neutered, things kind of rendering uh, a genderless quality would be pertaining to that, but it doesn't hold true all the time. For instance, like the word equus, equus means horse. There's only a masculine version of horse. There is no equa. And this is because, you know, you can just ma think male chauvinism and all that stuff because they kind of just subscribed a lot of the gendered um, things to that of which only men really were allowed to partake in, aka riding horses, being an athlete. Athleta is feminine in nature, but it is, it well, it declines femininely, but masculine in nature rather, where typically men were only athletes, typically men were only poets, although it does look like a feminine poeta. So if you guys are curious, if you guys want to learn something new and you want to understand kind of the abstract quality of Latin, because that is kind of the ha one half of English, we have the abstract, uh, more poetic side of English coming from the Latinate side. And then we have the more matter of fact, the more physical, the more right in your face kind of, uh, if, if that makes sense, coming from the Germanic realm. So if I were to give you an example, we have something like in Latin, spiritus, spiratus, spirit, and then the spirit turning into the um, Germanic form would be something like ghost. All right, so it's taking that more abstract quality and making it more physical in nature, right? Because what is a ghost? It's kind of like that physical entity and body of what a spirit can be, essentially. So, and then we have other things like where we get Latin from virtue and um, all these other things and faith and uh, love and all these things, right? That's where we get the term amateur. Amateur actually comes from the Latin amo amare, meaning to love. And well, when you're an amateur, essentially, it's you're beginning to starting to love something essentially, because you're doing it, right? One of my favorite quotes from a, a kid show that I used to watch back in the day, more so my siblings actually called Adventure Time. Uh, Jake says it. <clears throat> He says, 
the first step or well sucking at something is the first step at being good at something and that's really what an amateur is because you suck at it until you keep on doing it for the love for the sake of it because you love it and in order to grow in order or in a way i think amateur actually refers to um kind of a growth mindset right because we start out from being sucking at something to eventually rocking it and getting better at it and putting in the reps and keeping on going. And you guys know me about all that kind of stuff. So I'll cut my ramble bamble sesh. You guys know me. You guys are well aware that we've got a, an ad coming up right after this. You guys, I, I know I, some people are not super down with them and all that stuff. I don't try and like embed it in some way, shape, and form where I am trying to get you and gotcha. So if it comes on, you can just keep on fast forwarding it through it. I don't care. I just do it because, well, they give me the opportunity to, and you know what, to make a couple cents from these podcast episodes means a lot. So before we actually get into that, I want to shout out uh, a recent new rating on Spotify, not Spotify, Apple Podcasts here from straight Stacy Dresden. Um, thank you, Ms. Dresden. I appreciate you so much. Uh, titling her review is Latin Podcast Accessible and Covering a Range of Topics. Liam is an astute and warm podcaster offering a wide range of Latin conjugation, vocabulary, and translations. I skip over the medical etymology, but those episodes could be very or rather extremely useful for those pursuing medical field expertise. Nice voice. Thank you. And good content. I don't, I, I, I never knew, but after doing this, people tend to let me know how my voice tends to be soothing. So um, thank you, Stacy. I really appreciate it. I do believe that you actually started following me on Instagram. So now I've put the, the, the puzzle pieces together. So thank you again. Um, I always love shouting out my audience members. And uh, if you find me on social media, um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a follow back and all that stuff. And hey, if you have any questions, if you're, a, if you're a Latin student, if you find yourself needing some sort of Latin help and you haven't seen what I do on TikTok sometimes, um, I, I'll have students reach back out to me from prior schools of mine that will ask for help uh, regarding Latin language and that kind of stuff. So yeah, um, if you didn't know, now you know, and uh, you can hit me up if you need any sort of further um, help. That being said, let's leave it there, even though I said that I'd already cut off my ramble bamble, and uh, let's get on into it, y'all. All right, let's get on into it. So starting off with personal pronouns. So personal in the grammarian sense uh, really refers to person plus that AL referring to relating and or pertaining to. So personal just refers to pertaining and or relating to person. That is first, second, or third person. First I, second you, third he, she, it. In the plural, we, y'all, they. In English, those persons are represented by those pronouns that I had just said. These must look familiar as they are forms we've definitely already talked about in relation to verbs, right? So now we'll look at them independently as pronouns rather than being tied to verbs in a conjugation sense. So how does Latin treat these forms? Not as verb endings, but as nouns, however. So the caveat here is they decline, though, as cases like nouns do in Latin. So 
you have to do some more memorization. So sorry, not sorry. It's no, it's a language. Don't we have to do a lot of memorization with language? Hopefully, we just end up doing it repetitiously to help just further get it ingrained in our heads so that we're not having to deliberately do that because memorization for the sake of memorization can be really monotonous and boring. We all know that. Remember how we studied that boy in Latin goes puer in the nominative singular, a.k.a. subject, puer e, genitive singular of the boy or boys with a ticky mark s, puer o would be dative singular to or for the boy, and of course you remember all of that, you know, puerum, accusative being the direct object coming after the verb typically, and then puero in the ablative being a part of the prepositional phrase or object of the preposition. Now we're going to study the Latin equivalent of the pronouns I and its comrades do the same, aka in other words, the way Latin nominative says I, the genitive would be of me, dative would be to me, and so on, right? Because the accusative of I is me. You don't say I see or you see I, you say you see me, right? So that's the direct object for version of I. And I apologize in the lobby of my apartment complex. Uh, I tried to get a hold of it, but I couldn't. There's a, um, uh, you know, like a smoke detector that's got uh, low batteries. So if you hear a little a beep here and there in the background, I really hope you don't. I hope it doesn't pick it up. But if you do, that's why it's annoying me too. And I get it. I, I get sensory overload sometimes. I know, like, I know that there's an aspect of me that has some autism. Uh, I I have a bit of autism. I know I do. I know that, especially with how very, very uh, obsessively compulsive I can get with certain things in my life and routines and this and that and whatnot. So um, I know, I know, I have not been diagnosed, but... That's one thing that I, I have full confidence in. Anyways, <laughs> there you go a little bit about me and my self-diagnoses and trying to understand a little bit more about my neuroses. Um, it should come as no surprise that Latin first-person singular pronouns begin, well, the first-person singular is going to begin with ego. It's where we get ego, right? The id, the ego, the superego in psychology. Ego is I or ego. It goes, ego, me, 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 he, me, me, I, of me, to, or for me, me, preposition, plus me. And now the second person, comrade, tu, tui, tibi, te, te. You, of you, to, or for you, you, and um, preposition, plus you. And to reiterate the translations of these forms, ego is just I, the subject, me is of me, me, he is to or for me, just reiterating it yet again. Same holds true for that too that I had mentioned prior. But why would Latin have a nominative singular I and a U at all? Aren't those pronouns embedded already in the verb, right? Why would we say a pronoun after already iterating it within the context of a verb, right? Conjugations go, well... What are, what are the properties of a Latin verb? We have person, number, and tense. Tense equals time. Person equals first, second, or third person. Number refers to whether that is a plural amount of people doing the action or a singular amount, okay? A, AKA, you know, if I were to conjugate the word amo amare, amo amasamat, amamasmatismat, 
I love, you love, he, she, it loves, we love, y'all love, they love. So why would we embed another, you know, why would we embed pronouns in verbs and then also have a nominative form such as ego and or to? Aren't those pronouns, like I said, embedded? Well, I don't know. These pronoun forms like ego and to are emphatic. So when I say emphatic, in other words, they're used to emphasize the subject, not explain what the subject is in the way that nominative personal pronouns do and function in English, but really to just emphasize who the main character of our sentence is. So in English, we have to say we if we want to indicate that we is the subject, right? But that same information is already embedded in every Latin finite verb, not the infinite form, the finite. The infinitive, remember, is just to walk, to see, to love. It's the one that doesn't have a finite person doing the action. So if there is no clear nominative subject, we look to the verb to supply our subject, a.k.a. I, you, he, she, it. So the Romans didn't use their nominative personal pronouns to explain what the subject is. Rather, they used them to emphasize it. This is also where we get terms later on, like relative pronouns, interrogative, reflexive, himself, herself, themselves, sometimes... Latin like to be reflexive in that way and say he himself has said in the past and reiterated that they themselves want it. See, it kind of gets a little redundant, but you know what? It's kind of poetic in a way and Latin like to do that. So like I said, I am just the vessel carrying the information. I was not consulted in the design phase of such. I can't leave that ego and two without talking a little linguistics though. If linguistics bores you though, you can Go ahead and stick your fingers in your ears for the next couple minutes. You can do a little fast forward if you want. But because personal pronouns are commonly used, um, especially forms in Indo-European languages, they reveal some interesting features of the evolution of those daughter languages which developed out of the mother tongue that Latin and Greek share, Proto-Indo-European. Originally, the Latin word ego and the English word I were the same word. Both evolved from a form that looked like ego. So Latin actually changed the form um, of this pronoun very little. But in English, the inherited G transformed at some point into a kind of a KH sound, um, which is weird. This ended up as a form that sounded like ik, um, I-K, which is still the Dutch uh, for I. So, and also in German, ich, which is spelled I-C-H. English eventually dropped the K, lengthened the I, and we ended up with our first person singular personal pronoun, I. Um, the same interchange between C and G can be seen in our word cold um, and the Latin word gelidus. Um, spelled G-E-L-I-D-U-S, both from an Indo-European base that means frozen. Also, English kin in Latin comes from gens, gentis, right? Gens means rather kin, kinship, clan, tribe. It's where we get genealogy, generation, genocide of the negative type, uh, on the other hand, from genealogy. Anyways, um, it comes from that single Indo-European word that is meant to refer to essentially family, like I had mentioned 
A comparable pattern of change explains to in Latin and thou, the archaic English form of you. So in Indo-European T remained as T in Latin, but in English it evolved into that TH. Thus, to turned into thou. They were once the same word. If you didn't know, now you know. You can see the same pattern in the word for mother. Latin has mater, English has mother. Likewise, the word for tooth is where in Latin we have dens, dentis. English has teeth. This is where we also get the dual forms, where two came from t. Well, it really went from duo, and then that what happened was that D wasn't retained, turned into a T, so then we ended up with tuo, and then because we really didn't know, and we still don't know to this day, but probably in order to retain their dignity, they turned that U and turned it into a W, and that's why we have no W in the archaic Roman alphabet, but more in our modernized Roman alphabet, where W makes a presence, and that's how we get two, aka two, and that, well, the form retained, but the W dropped. So that's where also, right, you go, when you have a toothache, you go to the dentist, right? Dens, dentis coming from the Latin meaning teeth. So with that being said, I know that, that was more than a couple minutes. Hope you learned something new. I love talking linguistics. The more you know, the more you know. But now onward to the rest of the forms. We got the genitive forms. Mei and Tui shows the same I ending in the second declension. No I-U-S here. Um, these are personal pronouns, not demonstratives. And these genitive forms of the personal pronouns will have characteristics um, that may seem very odd to you because they do not show possession. The personal possessive adjective meus and tuus perform that function for us, aka those relative pronouns also acting more so as adjectives. So there's no need to have another way of saying belonging to me or belonging to you other than meus and tuus, aka my and your. So then you're probably saying to yourself, if these forms don't show possession, how are genitive forms like mei and tui used? Um, there are other uses to indicate possession, for instance, an objective genitive, uh, for example, love of me. This little blur blurb is called an objective genitive because the genitive operates as the implicit object of the verbal sense inside the noun. Basically, love of me implies someone loves me. Oh, that's nice. I wish that were to be the case in my situation. Just kidding. We won't beat this too much to a pulp um, as we'll encounter the other forms of the genitive later on. Returning to the declension of ego and two, the dative case forms are mihi and tibi. Not much I can do to help you memorize those other than to point out they look like each other. Sorry, memorize them. Not sorry, though. May and te are the accusative and ablative forms of these pronouns. May means looks like me, right? And te, well... You're just going to have to memorize that one. 
But uh, if you think about it, the same thing, uh, uh, te amo in Latin means I love you. Same thing in Spanish. Note one more thing about these pronouns is how they operate with the preposition cum. The preposition cum, um, we learned in the previous chapter, spelled C-U-M. Uh, man, do I get a lot of uproars with a certain population of my students when I uh, we, we go into that sometimes. So um yeah yeah if you're if you're one of those go ahead and laugh it out now in latin may cum would be or well it would be cum may but they assimilate it and they put the may in front of the cum and make that word come together it elides and so that would mean with me but it would be may cum instead of cum may it does not just say cum may it says may cum again that assimilated form turns into what we call an idiom back in Latin, right? They just, because they would say it quite a lot. The same is true with te. Instead of cum te, it assimilates into um, te cum, meaning with you. Here the plural of ego and tu, aka nos and vos, aka we and y'all. I'm going to recite them. You'll listen in if you want to. Nos no, uh, would be the nominative plural form, and then we'll just go from nominative down to ablative. Nos, nostrum, and then it can be nostri sometimes. We'll talk about that in a second. Nobis, nos, nobis. And in the second person, y'all, we have vos, westrum, but vos is spelled V-O-S. Remember, V's are not pronounced. They are wa wa wa, aka those W's, as I was talking about with the two, aka two, aka two with a W that refers to one, two. So therefore, wos, spelled vos, would be y'all, and then it goes westrum, wobis, wos, wobis. And here are how these forms would be translated. Nos, we, nostrum, of us, nobis, to or for us, and so on and so forth. Again, this would be the same with vos, wobis, as in the nominative, or as in the singular, the nominative forms are used mainly for emphasis and the formation of the nominative and accusative plural forms, nos and vos. Um, they are all, it, 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 it's, I'm sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied here. They are not all that irregular if you look at them as um, they really are close cousins of the third declension nominative and accusative forms ES um, in the plural accusative. Again, like in the singular, the genitive forms do not show possession, though. Noster and wester, the uh, per, personal possessive adjectives meaning our and y'alls, are used to show possession for these forms, but the plural exhibits an interesting difference from the singular. Instead of having only one form of the genitive, which is used both as a partitive and objective genitive, nostrum and westrum are used as partitive genitives. For example, some of us or most of y'all. And uh, nostri and westri are used as objective genitives in this way, shape, and form. For example, their love of us and his betrayal of y'all would be examples of objective genitives in the plural sense. It's a, a distinction, rather, in the formation that really doesn't matter until you learn these uses of the genitive much further down the road. The dative and the ablative forms, the plurals, nobis and wobis, 
bear a vague resemblance to the third declension dative and ablative plurals, aka ibus, remember, which should help you memorizing it a little bit maybe. They also behave in that idiomatic post-positive way that me and te do, aka when they are joined with the preposition cum, they proceed, or well, the, the, the pronouns proceed cum. Um, and then they are written into one single word, aka nobiscum and wobiscum, meaning with us and with y'all. Now let's look at the third person pronouns, is, ea, id. And uh, we'll talk about these. And I am just doing a one-off, so this might be a longer one, but guess what? Hope you're here for it. I'm going off right now. I haven't had that much coffee, so I'm going to do another swiggity swig and see if we can even get going even faster. And I'm just continuing on. This is me. This is all my information coming from my noggin. Hopefully it helps you out. Hopefully it helps you in this, um, you know, in personal pronouns with Latin. If you, uh, a lot of the time, I've structured this based on the way in which we lock formats each chapter. So maybe if you are uh learning uh, Latin through Wheelock, this would be aligned with chapter 11. That's why this is lesson 11. Now we're looking at is, ea, id. The Romans really had no equivalent to the English he, she, it, or in the plural they, where we would use these uh, third-person plural forms, pronouns. The Romans used their weak demonstrative adjectives is, ea, id, meaning this or that, and in its substantive sense, sub meaning under, stantive referring to standing, stu, uh, standing under or in place of, this, aka that man, that woman, that thing, this man, this woman, this thing. You're probably saying to yourself, wait, haven't we already learned the words for this and that in Latin, aka hic and ile? Well, yes. In fact, we learned one other as well. Iste. Remember that that grr thing, that one with a very strong demonstrative sense with condemnation kind of pertaining alongside with it. Um, Istea id completes the third side of this triangle. It's the weakest of the three demonstrative pronouns in Latin. Taken in order, Istea id shows very weak pointing, but still means this and that. Uh, see how like abstract some of this can be in Latin. I know pronouns can really get into the reads, but just stick with me. Taken in order, it shows that very weak pointing, but still it is. So it's like that first level. And then hic and ile show a medium level of pointing. And then that iste has the strongest demonstrative sense amounting to condemnation, aka that grr man or woman. Um, or thing. Here is the singular of is, ea, id. Is, ea, id, es, ius, 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 e, a, 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 id, eo, ea, eo. In the plural, a, e, a, i, a, a, aorum, 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 eis, 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 eos, eas, ea, eis, eis, eis. In the plural, I'm just going to note right now, you those look very familiar because those are all just going to be the plural first declension and second declension endings. If it's feminine, it goes I, arum, is, as, is. And in the second declension, um, uh, 
And the second declension, masculine and neuter, you have e, orm, is, os, is, or a, orm, is, a, is. However, the singular is a little bit more abstract. So let's look at that first left-hand column, at least that's displayed in my head in the moment, because I've got the singular to the left, is, ea, id, eus, eus, eus. I really struggled pronouncing that one. It's spelled e, i, u, s. Eus, I don't know, whatever. You guys know me. I don't do Latin for the pronunciation and recitation. I do it for the understanding and the amplification of my world, my grammar, my language, my understanding. So there we go. Let's look at it. Hopefully you can pull it up maybe online if you have a computer or your phone out in front of you. Is, ea, it. Translated as a pronoun in the singular. He, she, it. Note that unlike the personal pronouns, the genitive singular of this form eus or eus spelled e-i-u-s again can show possession so eus or whatever can mean his or hers or its depending on its gender and context we will also see that this is the true of the plural aorum aorum um, aorum which can mean there as in belonging to them and to seal the case that this is uh, it is really a demonstrative, not a personal pronoun. Um, the irregularity we saw with the preposition cum, where may, te, nobis, and wobis does that whole preposition or preposition thing, that pre post-positive, I'm sorry, making that cum, alighting into may, and turning it around with that post-positive sense, making it mecum, tecum, nobiscum, and wobiscum. But none of that applies to is, ea, id, which puts the cum where it should be, right in front of the ablative forms, aka the preposition and the object of the preposition, because we know that preposition literally means, in the etymological sense, pre-meaning before and or, or in front of, and then position coming from the positum in Latin, the fourth principal part, the PPP, the form meaning having been placed, and in this case, having been placed before, and what is a preposition? Having been placed before the object of the preposition. So there you go. If you didn't know, preposition literally means that it's placed before the object of the preposition. There you go. So if you never knew, that's why they put the preposition there, and that's why we name it preposition. It's just because it comes before. Ah. Anyways, leaving it there. Because I sometimes go a little crazy with the amount of irregularities and all this pronoun sense, which is why I feel like the, the abstract nature of pronouns and gender has kind of bled into our modern world. You see how even Latin is a little meh about it all. I don't know why I'm getting like that. Sorry, I'm going to stop. Anyways, now... If we talk about this whole, you know, this doesn't do post-positive thing with the makeum, takeum, wobiscum, with the is, ea, id, it would just pr produce and render these forms with ao and ea, making cum ao, cum ea, cum ao, meaning with him, with her, with it. What, what you would normally expect in the normal prepositional phrase, as I just mentioned prior. This also applies to the plural, where it'd be cum eis, Cum eis, cum eis, meaning with them, with them, with them. Yeah, there you go.
As typical of irregular forms, the plural is regular where the singular is not. Don't know why, don't at me, I don't know. Simply take the base E, add first or second declension endings with no mandatory, mandatory long marks, and you have the plural of the week demonstrative meaning these and those, or as a pronoun, they, their, to them, and so on. Besides serving as a weak demonstrative and the closest thing, the ancient Romans had to had to uh, render third personal pronouns is ea id um, and were used by the ancient Romans Romans the Romans Roman around the Romans all right we're almost done here I think I'm going a little stir crazy here with the amount of how all right we got five more minutes until I hit my 30 minute max mark so let's see if I can get it done now or I'm gonna have to stop and start another re uh, recording so that I don't end up uh, getting cut off by the time mark anyways um Man, that beeping in the background. I hope it's not picking up for you guys because it's annoying me quite a bit. Um, so like we said, the plural, plural are regular in form. Look at Looking at them, they serve as, um, well, if you just look at it, simply take the base E, add the first or second declension endings with no mandatory long marks, like I was saying, and then I got a little confused there for a hot second, and then now I'm back. And you have the plural of the weak demonstrative pronouns, meaning these and those, or the pronoun they, their, to them, and so on. Besides serving as a weak demonstrative and the closest thing, the ancient Romans had to, um, well, they had to really, I don't know, they, they, they have another one right here that, that really just is kind of another ancient form in conjunction with the suffix dem. Creating idem, eadem, idem, the Latin word meaning the same. So this is where we get identical from. This is another weak demonstrative. So this would be in these forms, eadem, idem, eadem, idem, eustem, 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 eilem, 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 eundem, eandem, eilem, eolem, eadem, eolem. I, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just... So it should be instantly apparent to you that something is happening in this word, which is foreign to the way Latin normally does its business. Because of the suffix at the end of the word, the case endings, which normally come at the end of, uh, come in, well, come at the end, rather come in more of the middle of the word. Maybe they should be called middlings. I don't know. I'm sorry. Whatever. This was no minor annoyance to the ancient Romans who were used to listening to the end of a word for the signals which told them how that word functioned in a sentence. There are simply very few. Besides that, as the suffix ran into different endings, the collision of sounds could cause irregularities which only exacerbated the problem. So this is, yeah, if you didn't know, this is some stuff. So now I'm going to give you an English sentence with a highlighted word in my mind. I'm going to highlight it, but I don't know. Give it. All right, we'll do bread. Together, we'll work it out in what would be the Latin for that word, essentially. So she gave me everything I needed. That's first person singular, right? What pronoun does Latin use for the first person singular? Ego. And how is may functioning in the sentence? The indirect object. 
What case is the indirect object in Latin? Fancy word, dative. Therefore, the correct form of the pronoun would be mihi, a.k.a. to or for me. All right. Now, next sentence. I just want to give a few examples here. The author of this book is right here. In this case, let's use hic, hike, hawk. The first question you, you should ask yourself is, is this functioning as a pronoun or is it functioning as an adjective? In other words, does this have something to modify? It does, aka book. Therefore, hic, hike, hawk will get its number, gender, and case from book. That case and number would be book um, if the... or. Rather, what would that case be if we were in a Latin sentence? Well, let me say the sentence again real quickly. The author of the book is right here. I think of the book sounds pretty genitive possession in nature, in my opinion. And what gender is the, is the word for book in Latin? Liber libri is masculine, oddly enough. It's where we get liberation from, though. It's where we get also library. Liberation because books make us free, right? Think about Fahrenheit 451. And the firefighters, they weren't fighting fires, they were fighting knowledge, and they were burning it. Therefore, the correct form of hic, hic, hoc in this case would be huius. And I got cut off right there at that 30-minute mark going over huius, so I'll go ahead and say that again. Huius, right, would be the genitive singular form tied to book in this case. Huius and then Libri. Next sentence. Everyone admires her. Let's use a is ea id in this case. What number and gender is her? Feminine singular. That should be obvious. How is her functioning in the sentence? It's the direct object. What case is the direct object in Latin? What's that fancy word, y'all? It's accusative. So what is the accusative singular form? Uh, feminine of isea id? Aom, spelled E-A-M. Let's do one more sentence here. How about something like, uh, everyone admires her courage. Her again, and we'll use again, isea id. But notice that here, her is functioning in a very different way. It shows possession, right? What case in Latin shows possession? That's right, the genitive. And her is, again, what gender and number? Feminine singular. But this sentence involves an important rule that you should remember, that to show possession with first or second person personal pronouns, Latin uses meus, tuus, noster, and wester. But there is no such personal possessive adjective for relating third-person pronouns. You have to use the genitive of one or of the demonstrative forms. So what is the genitive singular feminine of is, ea, id? Eus, spelled E-I-U-S, the one that I really struggle to pronounce. Don't forget that archaic genitive singular form, I-U-S, which shows up in the declension of a number um, of demonstrative forms. So there you go. Well, let's try one more, okay? You and I have the same character. That's, what's the Latin word for same that we talked about? Well, it's idem, eadem, idem. 
Is idem serving here as a substantive or a regular adjective? Again, I'll say it. You and I have the same character. Well, in other words, does it have something to modify? It does. Character. So it's a regular adjective. What's the Latin word for character? Good. Mors morum, the plural of mos moris, meaning also manners or customs. How would character function in the sentence? It's the direct object. So what case will it be? Um, I'll give you a second. Alrighty. Hope you said accusative. And what gender is the word mos? Well, mos moris is actually masculine. So what is the accusative plural masculine of idem, eodem, idem? It's eostem, spelled E-O-S-D-E-M. I think I'm going to leave it there because I can't really think of another example right off the top of my head. Um, let's see, can I think of any more that might be irregular in nature? Um... Nah, I'll leave you guys to it. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Remember to thank yourselves as always. And with that being said, Tempus Estes get rain. I'll catch you on the flip.